Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Man, I need y'all to help me out today. There are more women than men in here. Can we get a little bit loud today? Come on, dads. That's what I want to hear. Buenos dias, mi familia. Feliz dia de padres, our papis, however you want to say it. Well, today is about dads. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right, se trata de papas. And let's celebrate the dads today. So when I, as I'm celebrating, I need you guys to celebrate with me, okay? Celebramos a los papas hoy. No mamas, sino papas. Okay? We're not talking about moms. We're talking about dads. Y'all had your chance last month, okay? You had your day. So it's our time. <laughs> We're going to celebrate all of the dads here. And these, listen, I need to celebrate the dads that are dads. Now, listen, you don't have to have biological children, or maybe there's dads here today that, that have taking on the position of a father, even though you don't have any biologically. Maybe you're, you're with a woman uh, that you, or a wife that they've had children, but you have taken that place. Today, we celebrate you. Yeah. Today, I want to talk about some manly men. Hombres con machismo. You guys remember when men were men and you could tell by looking at them? ¿Recuerdas cuando los hombres eran hombres y podías saber a mirarlos? Mirarlos? Gracias. When people wore the ones, or when men, or I'm sorry, excuse me, when women were the only ones that wore earrings and makeup. Recuerdo cuando las mujeres eran las... Don't start laughing. Yeah, man, yeah, I know, I know. Pendientes y maquillaje. Somebody help me out with makeup. Maquillaje. Gracias. Makeup. Do you remember when you knew or when you seen men who they knew who they were and who had confidence in themselves and who had confidence in God's? Remember when you knew men were men of God that were leading their children and their family and men that would listen to the Lord and know which direction they were going? Listen, maybe today the problem is that modern society has tried to convince uh, women that they can be as masculine as men. And men can be as feminine as women. Okay, don't, don't, you guys, don't, don't, don't crucify me. Don't crucify me. So we have put them together in one mixing bowl and mixed them all together. Men with men, women and women, put them all together, and we don't even know what the role is for each man or woman today. 
don't get this twisted about what the worldly role is of man and woman. We're talking about a biblical role of man and woman. Please, this is the church. This isn't the world. I'm, pe- I'm speaking to you about biblical principles. We need to look at men today. Men like Sean Hunter. A man that has, from, from, from high school, has got an education. He's a, an electrician. He has a wife of his youth. Three great boys. His wife stays home and takes care of his children. But then he has the heart of our heavenly father to turn and adopt a daughter that he prayed for. That's the kind of man that God wants to celebrate today. Let's talk about Laverne Papa Davis. We're going to talk about Papa. We'll talk about Papa, a man that had children of his own. He did the best that he could. He served her country, and he turned around and married a woman named Betty Davis. And he not only took care of this woman that he loved so dearly, he also brought into his own life a daughter, a beautiful woman, I may say, (laughs) Pastor Kaya. Let's talk about some godly men like Donald Ray Johnson III. Through against all odds, who came up without an earthly father, but came again, went against all odds, made it through high school, barely graduated. But you know what? The first one in the family, the first male in our family to get a a degree, a college degree. All while raising four children and, his, and allowing his wife to stay at home to raise those four children. We're talking about men of God. Let's talk about this man I know, a New Rican named Carlos Ruiz. A man of God. A man who is a man uh, 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 who loves his wife, loves his daughters. Let me tell you something. A man that has two daughters and a wife, you guys, you know he's got the grace of God on his life. Come on, somebody. But this man loves his family. And not only did he love his daughters, but he went around and I have met the men whose lives he's impacted beyond his own children. Because he loves the Lord. He loves other men also. And he's helped raise up other men. Last not least, let's talk about men that I know, the man that I know that that raised me from my youth until my adulthood, and that is Thomas L. Butcher Sr. Some of y'all don't know my dad. My dad fought in a war. He, He served his country. He did all kinds of things. He served his family. He wasn't a man that didn't make mistakes. He made lots of mistakes, a whole lot of mistakes. But you know what he did? He still honored God with his life. I remember watching my dad. I remember I'm watching my father come into the sanctuary, racked with, he had all kinds of issues that was going on in his body. Heart condition, Agent Orange syndrome. He, he He was bent over, he couldn't walk, he couldn't see. So if you spoke to him, he couldn't see you because he was all hunched over. But my father would come to church every Sunday and sit in the back of the sanctuary. And because he couldn't stand, he would just reach his, 
because his, his shoulders were frozen because he had um, Parkinson's disease, and all he could do was raise his hand up to give God some glory and some praise. These are men. These are manly men. These are men of God. These are the type of men that you may not see their names in the Bible, but you will see them in the church. Father's Day presents us with the opportunity to look at masculinity as God sees it. Come on. I'm talking about men who knows that he's a man and he's proud that he's a man. But at the same time, he's as soft and as tenderhearted uh, and as sensitive to others and the will of God. I'm talking about God's man. Estoy hablando del hombre de Dios. I'm talking about father, fatherhood the way it ought to be. I'm talking about the best dad ever. <laughs> you guys, if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. And you guys know it's Father's Day, so I have prepared an extra long message. Because some of y'all, some of the men ain't been here in a while. So. Mark chapter 5. We're going to start, start with uh, verse 22 through 24, and then I'm going to skip over to 35 to 42. And it reads this. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There was no use of troubling the teacher. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about a father that had much concern for his kids or his child, a man that wasn't held back by his position or his prominence or his circumstance. When it came to helping his family, he had to do. We're talking about the best dad ever. What I want you guys to see is that Jairus was a leader of the synagogue. Now, Jairus oversaw the daily operations of the synagogue. 
He arranged the services. He did the custodial duties. He was much like a, a pastor today. He chose who would read the scriptures and who would speak, etc. Jairus was well known and was much respected in his community, even at his job. But even more than that, he was a dad. Men of God, we can't allow our job and our status to get in the way of our first ministry. Our first ministry, first of all, men, is our wives. But if, if you're not married, your next ministry is your family, your children. That is your first. Somebody say first. That is your first ministry. Now, the Bible doesn't state the name of this little girl. They, they, they don't, that doesn't say any, the girl's name. Matter of fact, they don't even say that Jairus himself had any more children. We just know that specifically during this time, we're talking about a young girl that was dead. And there was a father that needed the help of Jesus. What do you do or what do you think Jairus' children saw in their dad? We don't know if he had any extra children, but let's think about it. What do you think their children saw in their father? Do you think when they seen him, they seen him as a man of prominence, a man of power, a man of position? Or do you think they're like some of the young teenagers now today that they figure like their parents don't know what they're talking about? Come on, y'all help me out if you got teenagers. One thing I'm sure of is they saw that their dad that was not ashamed to go to Jesus. Amen. Can I say that again? Amen. There's one thing that I do know that they know is that when their dad needed help, he went to the source. Right. He went to Jesus Christ. Right. Mark 5:22 says this. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. I want to go off my notes because I just want to say something. It says, when he came and he fell at the feet of Jesus. This is what we need to be doing as men of God and as fathers. What the Bible is telling us is, listen, we see, oh, he fell at his feet. No, he wasn't begging him for something. He knew where to worship Jesus at. And I need you to see this also, that you need to notice that when Jairus had some, some issues, he knew where to go find Jesus. Come on, y'all need to hear me out on this. He went. Now, he didn't come to see, see uh, Jesus during the nighttime like Nicodemus. Because some men will like to do it in the dark. They want to do it in the secret. But no, Jairus did it in the middle of the day in front of a crowd of people. There was a multitude of people there. Jairus had to come because his child was sick. It's a hard thing for a father to see Children suffer in sickness, but Jairus stepped up without reservation and fell down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, I need you to notice that Jairus went by himself. I'm only going to preach to the men today. Because right now, I can preach to these ladies and they'll, they'll amen me and do all kinds of stuff like they usually do, but men are going to sit silent. Jairus went himself. He didn't send his wife. 
He didn't send some other or some of his other children. He didn't send a servant. He went himself to go see Jesus. Come on, dads. I wish we had some dads in here right now that would seek Jesus without shame, that they would take their priestly responsibilities at home. Our nation is a mess right now because our fathers are out seeking golf balls, basketballs, barbecues, and everything else instead of God on Sunday. Thanks, ladies. We like to send the wife and the kids to church. But if only we would seek him without hesitation, if we would seek him boldly, what a difference we would make to our families if we would just seek Jesus. Number two, Jairus was not ashamed to bring Jesus to his house. Uh, Mark 5 and 23 says this, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Once again, I need you to realize that do you guys know when you guys are praying and asking God for something, especially if it was a child? I don't know. I know the experience of sitting there in front of a child that her life is being sucked out of her slowly. We're at Children's Hospital. My daughter is dying. They're telling us we'll try one, th one more thing, and after that, we're just going to let her go but we'll try one more thing. I remember of sitting there and getting on my knees and praying, going, God, please help my daughter. Getting on my knees. I didn't ask my wife to grab my hands. I knew that I had to find where Jesus was at. I knew I had to get on my knees and I had to beg him. I, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, God, can if you, if you come? No, Lord, I need you to lay hands. But see, Jairus went right physically where Jesus was. He had a need. And his need was that his daughter would get better, that she would get healed. Jairus begged Jesus to come to his house. Notice that the event followed was as he went. Watch this. As he went, he went to Jesus. And as he begged, it says that as he went, the whole crowd began to follow. Mark 5, 24 says this. Jesus went with him. <laughs> you know, when you start walking and Jesus is with you, you ain't got to worry about nothing. Where are you going? You don't need to worry about how dark it is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Woo! Because he's with me. Mark 24 says, Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him. Listen, you never, ever know who's watching you and who's following you silently. Come on, man. You don't know who's watching you. You don't know who's following you. Some people are aware of your prominence and your position, and they will follow you just to see you fail. That crowd wasn't there to, 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 to pray with them. That crowd wanted to follow him to see him fail. 
because they knew he was a man of prominence. They knew that he was a man of position. They knew that he was a man of power, and they wanted to see him fall. They wanted to see him fail because that's what crowds do. We're so busy trying to get people to follow us, and the only reason why they're following us and liking us on Instagram and everything else is to see you fail. They'll never like when you're doing good, but they got something to say when things are going bad. But some people, just a few, are following you because they want to see your fortitude. They want to see your fearlessness and your firmness, and they want to see your faithfulness. Those are the people that you have to focus on. They might be about 5% of the crowd, but there are people that are following you. They're rooting for you. They're praying for you. They see what's going on. Man, I wish we had some men like Jairus. Man who will stand with Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men that will declare that I am with God and God is with me. Men who would lead their families in prayer at the table, at the bedside, and at their home. Dads, listen to me. You want to bless your family? Lead them in prayer the next meal. Just sit down and go, stop. Let's pray. And I'm not talking about the, the you know, uh, God, thank you. Uh, yeah, what does yeah, God is good. God is great. Thank you for this plate. Just out of your heart, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for allowing us to be here together today. Thank you for the meal that's in front of me. See, that's, that's what a man of God does. We should be dads that invite Jesus into our home by reading his word. Invite Jesus into our homes by leading our families into worship not sending them to worship. Come on, dads. It's funny because right now I'm preaching to the choir, but we got a great thing that's happening right now. There's men that are listening to me right now. And I'm not saying this to you to make you feel bad. I'm trying to, my mom used to give me a pat on the back and sometimes a kick in the butt. They're both encouragement. So I'm trying to encourage you right now. Bring your families to church. Let, them, let your family and your children see you worshiping God. I would rather see, see, look, I would rather a child to come in see their father on his knees praying than you sitting up watching a ball game today. Matthew 9 and 18 said, there came a certain Man, a certain ruler, a leader, and worshiped him. Dads, let our kids see us honoring the Lord by taking them to church, by reading his word, by praying, and living for Jesus. I'm talking about the best dad ever. Do if dads invite Jesus into our houses do you know what God will do? I also want you guys to see that Jairus was not ashamed to put the welfare of his, ch of, of his child in the hands of Jesus. Listen to what I just said. Jairus was not ashamed 
to put the welfare of his child in that. Listen, when Jairus got the news that his daughter was dead, he didn't dismiss the Lord. He gave his daughter into his, into the, in Jesus' hands. Mark 5 and 35 says, while he was still speaking to her. Okay, some of you guys aren't going to catch this because I, I want to talk about a story inside of a story. Watch, watch this because some of you, because I skipped, I skipped a story. And, and you guys know the story. It's a very familiar story. But this story that takes place with Jairus is a story that started off with Jairus. And as Jairus came, he came to follow Jesus because there's a crowd. And he goes to everybody. He goes to Jesus and he says, listen, Jesus, I need you to come heal my daughter. Jesus says, let's go. I'm with you. But as Jesus began to walk, here's a story that some of you guys know very well. But I skip. There's this woman that had an issue of blood. In between this story, during the same crowd, the same woman at the same time had an issue herself. Now, I don't want to preach about this, but I need you to understand something. She had to press her way, as the Bible says, that she made her way through the press. And as she went forward, she went through and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, she could feel, as as Jesus said, I felt virtue come out of me. So what was in Jesus came down into her body and healed her. The same, same virtue that healed her is going to be the same virtue that Jairus was seeking to get to his daughter. I'm trying trying to contain myself because now as a father, I I know that Jairus was anxious. He's like, come on, Jesus. My daughter is dying. I need you to get to my house. But do you understand? It says while Jesus was still speaking to her, Jesus turned and stopped and ministered to the woman. But I can see Jairus going, you ain't got time. We ain't got time. She's got an issue of blood. Don't touch her. She's dirty. You ain't got time for this woman. She had nothing. She had no husband. She had no living. The only people knew her as is, is, is somebody to stay away from. But Jesus looked at her, really probably turned and looked at Jairus and said, hold on. It's almost at the same time when Jesus got the news that the one whom he loved, Lazarus, they came in, Lazarus is sick and he's dying. You know what Jesus did? I'm going to go the other way. There's yeah. <laughs> something about Jesus making us wait sometimes. <laughs> you got, woo. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to learn patience. See, while she was pressing He was learning patience. Why? While the woman with the issue of blood was pressing her way through the press and she getting her healing, it looked like Jairus had to learn how to wait on the Lord. So back to Mark 5 and 35. While Jesus was speaking to her, who was he speaking to? The woman with the issue of blood. And after that happened, The messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, 
the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use of troubling the teacher now. Men of God, dads, we need to be dads who are patient enough to wait on the Lord. We need dads who will lead their children to seek God's will for their own lives. Much like Abraham, we must be willing to sacrifice our children on the altar of God's plan and not our own. You know, it was God's word that said, I know the plans that I have for you. That was God's word. And sometimes as dads and parents, sometimes we have plans for our children, but those ain't God's plans. I hope you heard me. Because we always have plans for our children. But God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of good. Praise God. God has a plan. God has a plan for your children. God had a plan for Jairus' daughter. And God's plan was that that little 12-year-old girl would live. Jairus completely put his daughter in the hands of God. Now, as we went, as I go back to 35, 36, let's start with verse 36. It says, but Jesus overheard them. And what they said to Jairus, he says, don't be afraid, just have faith. Now, listen, you got to love people around you that don't have any confidence in Jesus. By the way, we're talking about church folk. Church folk. They don't have any confidence in Jesus, but they'll have confidence in themselves. They'll have confidence in their intellect, but they won't have confidence in Jesus. As soon as some of these people see you take a big step of faith, they want to come with doubt and fear. But Jesus said, somebody say, Jesus said. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Trust God. Don't trust your intellect. Don't trust what you think you can do, but trust and believe God. As I close, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. I want to stop here real quick. It says, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him. Do you notice that there's crowds? The crowd is still there. The crowd is still there. But it says, Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jairus, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Wait a minute, but he just said, he stopped the crowd, but they still kept going. 
The same crowd that the woman had to press through was the same crowd following Jairus to his house. They heard Jesus when Jesus said, you're healed. When she, when she got healed, they heard Jesus. You don't think at that point in time they would sit there and celebrate what happened? The crowd. So as Jairus is trying to hurry Jesus up, he gets the news, his daughter's dead. Jesus said, nah, I don't care what that man says. I don't care what, it's, what it looks like. I don't care what you saw. I don't care if you checked her pulse. I don't care if she didn't breathe. I don't care what the Jewish tradition of a person's not dead until they're three days. I don't care about that. He knew that Jesus had the answer. Jesus saw the commotion and the weeping and wailing. He went outside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. I need you to take this and tuck this somewhere real quick. He said, why are you crying? The girl isn't dead. She's just sleeping. Mark uh, 40, the crowd laughed. Here's the crowd again. Where, where? Here's the crowd. You always got people around you. But it says here, but Jesus made them leave and took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. He said to the girl, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And little girl who was, the little girl who stood up and walked around, they said immediately she stood up and walked around, excuse me. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. I'm going to hit you with this point. And I see this, and I've seen this this morning. It says the little girl, how old was she? She was 12. She was 12. Do you guys realize that the age of 12 is the age of accountability? This is the point at 12 years old where you have a bath mitzvah or a bar mitzvah that, that symbolizes you know right from wrong. The reason why Jesus said the girl isn't dead, she's just sleeping. And he came to make her alive again. Maybe you're not catching this. Jesus came. He pushed the crowd out. He came to the girl who was 12 years old, who was lying there, as we call her, dead. But she was dead in her sins. This is why the Bible says, Waken unto righteousness, all ye people. What was God, what we're telling us is there's a, a, a metaphor in this, this whole story of what Jairus is. This young girl wasn't dead physically there was a death in her spiritually and when Jesus came 
and he brought people with him. He, not, not the crowd. He took disciples with him. He went to her and he said, listen, little girl, get up. Receive this resurrection power. She may have been dead to the eye, but Jesus knew that he had something more to give her. That was life and life more abundantly. He said, get up, awaken unto righteousness. And when she got up, people were amazed at the new life that Jesus had just given her. She was dead but now she is alive. Oh my gosh, I wish a dad in here would give God some praise because you are the best dad ever. The kind of dad like Jairus that would take his children and, and give your, 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 your petitions to the Lord. It says they were overwhelmed. <laughs> Dads, have you ever been overwhelmed? Have you ever felt like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders? When things ain't right, you don't have enough money, the bills ain't paid, you ain't got an answer for nothing. But God's power will totally amaze you. Dads, what do your children see in you? Do they see a dad who is not ashamed to seek the Lord? Do they see a dad who is not ashamed to bring Jesus to their house? Do they see a dad who prays for them and commits them into the hands of the Lord? Are they a dad that despite of what anybody else says or what the crowd says, that you still believe the word of God. That my son, my daughter shall live and not die. That God has a plan for them. A plan of good and not evil. To give you an expected end. The best dad ever. perfect example that we ever have is the picture of Jesus, our everlasting Father. It's found in Isaiah 9 and 6. And it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us as a son has been given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. He's been and will always be the best dad ever. Amen. Amen. You guys give God some praise. So today, there's just something I want to do a little bit different today. Let's turn the lights on. Turn the lights back on. I know we used to do... I'm going to have everybody sit down. Our, all the dads, I want you guys to stand up to you on your feet. Stay standing. Yeah. 
Now we have a gift for the dads that I know is ready. Tony's ready to pass. Oh, they got, okay, great. The kids are going to pass out your a gift. All the dads remain standing. Right over here, you guys. Come on over this way. We'll take your time. We'll take our time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's one more I think we got over, over here. Are you good? Okay. Listen, is, if it's okay, you guys, I understand protocol and six feet. We got enough room for men to stand six feet if you want. I want all the men to come to the, the stage. If you guys come to the altar, if you can. guys don't don't worry about it like I said there's there's you guys want to be with next to each other distance whatever's fine I also want to ask the other men uh John come on up all the men come up here that are of age 18 or whatever come on Ivy come on over here Zay come on you guys just because you don't have natural sons yet I'm praying that today that the anointing and the gift of God that has been given to us as men that it will transfer as a blessing to our children and our children's children so I want those men I want them here I want them at the altar praise God and if I can have all the ladies in here just be in agreement with me and just stretch your hands towards these men of God as I pray for them. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for every man, every child that is in here right now. God, I thank you for the grace that is upon each one of these men. I thank you right now, Lord, that you are transferring us and showing us and teaching us how to be a good father like you. Lord, I thank you that you are the example of the great father. And I thank you, Lord, I thank you that the grace that you have given us, that you will continue to give us more grace, more grace for each father. Lord, I thank you right now for the relationships for the father and their children. I thank you right now, Lord, that you have uh, restored the, the, the fellowship between son and father, son and, and father, and father and daughter. 
Lord, I also pray right now for the men that are here right now that do not have physical children. I thank you right now. Give them the anointing, the know-how to father other boys, other young ladies, to show them and be a, 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 in the position of authority for them. Lord, I thank you. Whether we have children that are old or our children are young, teach us to continue to be examples of the light. So we thank you for that right now, Lord. We thank you for the gift of fathers. We thank you for this day. And Lord, that today we say thank you that we celebrate each and every man. God, we say thank you, thank you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You guys give God a praise. Amen, amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast. <laughs>